The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will be streamed live. Welcome to the Critical and Thinking Podcast. I'm Ian Harris. Ty Barnett. How you guys doing? What's uh, up, everybody? And we're joined today. We actually have a guest today. Yeah. My friend Rob Feiner here. Um, no Rob from the MMA world. Uh, we surf together. And he is a, 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 you go ahead and say, clinical. Oh, I am an associate. Associate clinical, clinical counselor. counselor. Yes. So you can't mess with us. <laughs> no, but I, I wanted to bring, we, I wanted to bring a, a Robin for a, a couple reasons. Anyway, um, first off, because I want to see if he can give us some sort, you know, he, he's a brain guy. He, he knows what's going on in people's heads. Hey man, that's a dying breed nowadays, bro. <laughs> yeah. You're a dinosaur. Yes, hey, exactly. we, we try, we try. <laughs> yes. But also, here, here's the thing I want to, I want to kick off. because So Rob is a new dad. Oh, congratulations. So Ty and I are both Thank dads. Yes. Yeah. yes. Welcome to the fraternity. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, brand new. Uh, my daughter is only about seven weeks old. We're in right. July right wow. now. Wow. So, yeah, oh, I remember that. I remember those hopeful days. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> exactly. Everything's going to be awesome. Huh. <laughs> then them diapers. Yeah, what, <laughs> Staying what, up what, late. A lot of diapers. <laughs> what I'm, a, Chris I'm Ro- a diaper ninja. <laughs> right. Hilarious. Yeah. Oh, it'll only get better. And what Chris Rock say, the only goal for now is to keep him off the pole? That's right. That's keep it. Keep him off the stripper pole. Actually... You got two two girls. I got two girls. I got and, a girl. And uh, he's got a girl. Uh, dude, I, I will tell you this though. I got a. It is a blessing, and it does change your life. For the, I think it changes your life in the big picture for the better, just because it helps you become uh, is selfless. The word I'm looking for. I yeah. hope that's the word. Selfless. So, because you have love for somebody other than yourself, uh, the downside is is that your stress level goes up way more because you'll watch the news. You'll read everything just Absolutely. comes back to, and then he's, like you said, the older they get, the more stuff you think about differently. Like, you don't worry about changing diapers as much as who they're going to date and, right. and mm-hmm. when they drive a car and all that stuff. So, But it's beautiful. <laughs> I, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Today was the first day where I was at the house when it was empty where there was nobody in there for a whopping 90 minutes. And I said, okay, so I'm going to watch this episode of Boardwalk Empire right now, and then I'm going to do these emails, and then I'm going to take a shower, and then I'm going to do this, and then before I knew it, there were, none of that was happening. It no. was just shower right. out the door, let's go no. do this podcast. So. Well, and, and, and the good, good thing is, is because of how busy you'll be, You'll still be watching the same three episodes of Boardwalk Empire right. in, in a couple years because you'll still be trying to catch up. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. Yes. Steve Buscemi would have been long gone by the time you finish. <laughs> Please don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. <laughs> Only season three. I mean, in real life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a decade will go by at least. But uh, so, so I wanted, I, you know, I wanted to talk first off. So you also did, um, you've worked with, with, uh, with, with kids. You've worked with, right. um, um, does your, your wife also work with kids my, as well? My wife is a school psychologist okay. and I am, I'm, I'm a clinical counselor. And so, uh, we always say that one, uh, yes, our dinner time conversations are extremely nerdy and <laughs> two, we're probably going to be really annoying parents. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, we both work in mental health. That, that means you'll be either incredible parents or the worst parents <laughs> ever. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, but I wanted to, I wanted to bring this up. So we talk, we get real political uh that's kind of our thing here we're two comedians that that, that i don't want to say don't do anything funny but we we, we get serious nah, uh, I, you see and this would and the reason why we call it critical and thinking is for a reason one is to play off ian's special but also is because we are both people who 
believe in actually facts mattering still. So the fact that you're here <laughs> right. and you are a brain person is <laughs> in direct contact with what this podcast okay. is about. Okay. But I wanted to, to bring this up. And again, I know it's going to air. To, you know, we record, record in advance, but I'm sure it's still going to be relevant. I'm sure something worse is going to happen. <sighs> I wanted to bring that up a little bit because what's going on right now in Trumplandia with taking kids away from the parents um, and there's a lot of, a lot of psychology going on right now that I just don't understand. I don't understand, um, how, how people are okay with that, the cognitive dissonance, I think that that's going mm-hmm. on with people, mm-hmm. but also, you know, especially the people that are the, the, the family values crowd and the, and the, and the, you know, everything, everything, you know, with, with the, the, the anti-abortion crowd, cause babies this and babies that. And then as soon as they're, as soon as they're born or as soon as they're, as soon as their complexion changes to darker than white, all of a sudden, right. all well, of a sudden, we don't give two crap. They don't care kids. about the babies once they come out. <laughs> yeah. Once they come out into the world, ah, fuck that baby. But I just wonder, like, what kind of damn? I mean, at that age, these little kids, like, what kind of well, damage is that causing these? Well, ladies? a lot of it has to do with attachment. So, um, part of what I work with too is um, when you know when we're, when I'm working with a with a client, everything is very tailored, but. We, we're, I take a PT approach almost just right. to sum things up really quickly is that if someone's coming in with an acute injury, so to speak, I just did air quotes, I apologize. <laughs> um, and we're looking at what they're coming in with, the presenting problem. But then we want to look at what's happened in the past. Like what really was going on that brought this, you know, quote unquote dysfunction into the present. Like right. The faulty thinking or whatever it might be. And a lot of the time that involves attachment figures or lack thereof. And attachment figures is those big three-letter words, M-O-M-D-A-D. Those are usually the big ones or the caretakers. Um, When we're separated from caretakers, I mean, we can learn a lot from the animal world. If you watch puppies who are separated from their mother too early, what happens? Do you mean liberal puppies or... <laughs> I just want to be sure, just so no one gets mad. No, we're all people. And we're all puppies. Um, no, when you see a, a kitten or a puppy that's separated from its mother too early, you know, prime example, I'll give you an anecdotal example, is our... We have three cats. I'm sorry for folks uh, and our landlord. <laughs> we have three cats and one of our cats, our male cat, was separated from his mother way too early. And so you see, you actually see the difference between him and the other two cats where he he was basically borderline feral when we got him and he still has those tendencies. We've had him for six years. He has a good life. And he votes Republican. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a good, every guy's got a good life. He's got half an ear, but he's got a good life. And, um, but you see those interesting things come out where he'll still, when he freaks out about something, he's still needing uh, and trying to nurse on a blanket. Whereas mm. the other cats will just be fine. And when you see that happen with humans, we have uh, we, we put them at risk for something called attachment disorder, which can, you know, if not treated, can manifest into various other things later in life. And so what you're doing is you're basically taking away these kids' model for, right. for behavior, whether, right. whether it's positive. Their foundation. Or, yeah, they're, you're taking away their foundation. So they're just left in the wind, and we're like little sponges at the, those impressionable ages. So we're just going to pick up where we can. Uh, right. You know, any knowledge we can along the way, all the learned behavior, we take it with us 
And then later in life, when you come to see me, I might ask you, where do you think you learned that from? And somebody will look at me a little weird. And, you know, where did you learn it from? Movie, TV, your friends, mom and dad, who, who taught you that? Right. And with these kids that are being separated from their attachment figures, they're not learning it. So it becomes their attachment can become chaotic where they might attach too easily to someone right. or not trust anyone. anybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I would imagine too, that that's, you know, when we do see, we see a lot of, um, <clears throat> you know, when you see people who, who don't have, um, you look in like low income areas in America, all the, all the gang problems that are usually a lot of times in like low income areas, you look at the family and a lot of them, it's like the parent, there's a parent that's missing and the other parent is working 18 hours a day. Try, and that kid is just kind of ru- running around doing their own thing. And I feel that the, I know a lot of those kids cause they train with me sometimes yeah. people that grew up that way. And you look at them and it's like, Oh wait, they found their father figure. They'll their, find their par- it somewhere. They find it somewhere. And, and here's the thing. And, and this is what, this is why I don't understand why parents, like I can understand, like if you don't have any kids, I can actually part of me can rationalize why you don't see why this is a problem. Because to you, it's just straight up. You you're at the border, da 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 da. But if you have kids and you know what it's like to like, you ever been you ever been um, you yourself been at a theme park or something, and you don't know where your mom or dad is, and you freak out for a second because there's all these people around. Right. But then also as the parent, if you can't find your kid, you freak out oh, too. It's panic. So. The fact that these kids are being taken and no one's giving them an explanation of why this is, this is because a five-year-old is not going to understand. Yeah. We're taking your parents to the showers, the, by the way. Exactly. The irony of that is. It's a long shower. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to understand that. So I want to ask you, mm-hmm. when they try to find their father figure, because again, and this is my crazy thinking. Mm-hmm. So this dude implements this policy because he says we're worried about MS-13 coming over. <laughs> right. <what he's> <laughs> right. <laughs> So here's my thing about this. And tell me if, if there's any kind of validity to this. Okay. If these kids are coming in at a young age, you're taking away their foundation, which is their mom and their dad, who is trying to they're they're fleeing a situation mm-hmm. where gangs are happening. And this government is saying, well, we're gonna separate you from here. Do you think that's a greater or less chance of this kid turning into <laughs> an MS-13 <laughs> member? Because they're like, wait a minute. Oh, okay. Well, we left these guys. You treated us like shit when we got here. You took my mom and dad away. I hate America. Like, I hate you guys. And I am not going, as opposed to saying, let's welcome these guys. Let's give them asylum because they're fleeing this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which one, in my mind, I'm thinking this would make them more violent or more angry at the country as opposed to the other thing. Well, it's interesting What's happening is we're taking away something, but we're not providing a viable alternative. Okay, there you go. So, you know, we're not saying, oh, okay, well, you know what? You can't come in and also your parents can't either. And we're going to separate everybody and that's that's what's going to happen. We don't provide a viable alternative. Right. And that's the functional, We, my wife will be very proud of me, a functional replacement behavior um, is something that we use in child psychology. Mm-hmm. And it's, okay, we don't want you to do that, but we have to provide an outlet and some sort of resource for you because that is not, your, your feelings are not going to go away. Right, and you, otherwise you'll create your own, Right, you'll and fill so that gap. The, the illustration that 
she always uses and I use a lot of the time in sessions for for behavior that we need, you know, needs that need to be fulfilled is you guys both have kids. Remember when your daughters were like two and you tried to take them to a restaurant? Oh, barely. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when, when you tried to do that and you told them, OK, for the next two hours, you're going to have to sit in that chair. Mm. And they, they need to move. They need to run around. That's a need. There's nothing that can prevent them from doing that. And so instead you tell them to just sit, they're going to, you know, one or two things are usually happening when a two-year-old's in a restaurant. Either, you know, they sit there and eat or they're running around drinking the creamers and opening yeah. up the sugar packets. Playing with everything. Right. Playing with everything. And so providing the functional replacement behavior for that running around is you get to the restaurant 30 minutes early run that kid in the parking lot, and then go <laughs> eat. Right. You, just, you just got the running done. So if we're providing a replacement, you know, I don't think that the, the, that the administration even would think that way. No. You know, if there's going to be a replacement, how do we help them? Right. Uh, you know, that has to be in place. It can't just be we're going to take away. Right. Well, and, and also the other thing that, that, that um, <clears throat> if you look at like DACA and you look at the people, not even the, not even the people seeking asylum right now, which is a completely different thing, which is, you know, the, I love this, the, the, the people seeking asylum. They come to the border. They don't cross the border. They ask for asylum. They're, they're, I've read reports, and again, I haven't verified this, so it, you know, my skeptic friends, if, I, if it turns out to be wrong, I apologize. Well, the good thing if, is, is that you don't have to be right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? There you go. Uh, but I, I hear that they've been pushing them to a certain, saying, oh, you want asylum, you got to go over here. And when they cross the border, they go, oh, you just crossed illegally. Boom. And it's like, wait a second, they weren't trying to cross the border. They were coming to the border for asylum. You told them to cross the border. That's like I was telling you, that, that's like someone knocking on your door and going, someone's chasing me. Can I come in and go, sure, go through the window. And then when they come through the window, you knock him over the, hit him over the head and call the cops and go, guy broke in. And look, he came through the window. Yeah. He came to your door and asked you to come in. He needed help. And you told him to go through the window and then knocked his ass out for coming to the window. It's like, that's crazy. Wow. But, but the thing I was going to talk about is like the, the people that are already here, you have the, the people that came illegally and then had kids. Those kids are citizens. They were born on American soil. The ones that people call anchor babies, right, mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. now, the, now we're in this habit of deporting the illegal parents. And people are just going, well, they shouldn't have come here illegally. Okay, so they did something wrong. You're punishing the kids. Yeah. Because the kids aren't going anywhere. The kids are citizens. And again, you don't want... These gangbang, you don't want, you're going to take kids and away from their family, send their family back to Mexico or El Salvador, where they're from, and you're going to leave kids who are legal citizens here in what, foster care? How you think that that's better? That, that, and that, that's what I'm saying. They, they're not. And you're punishing them because they're parents. It's like, it's crazy. And that's, and this is why I say they're not looking at the big picture and the ramifications of right. everything that is happening from this point. It's, it's, it's like they say, a, a house is only as strong as its foundation. Mm -hmm. So if this kid is coming up with all of these screwed up things, like, wait, wait, you took my parents and then wait, I was born here, but then you're telling me I got to stay by myself, but they got to, who's going to raise me? Are oh, you going to put me in foster care? And then those people could care even less about me because I'm just mm -hmm. a number or a check or somebody, you know. So why is it, do you think? So this is the thing I wanted to ask yeah. because I just don't understand why when you lay stuff out in front of people, you lay out facts for them and you say, okay, this is what it is. They say, well, it's a law. No, it's not. Experts have said it's not a law. Mm -hmm. The government, government if it, not this administration, yeah. people in the government who know these laws is, is not a law. You show them these things. What is it? What do you think is working in the minds of the people who are still firmly ignoring all of that? That's a real interesting one. A lot of that has to do with 
when you're when you were saying it too, I was picking up on this was you know you're showing them facts like we're showing them even if it's a newsreel we're showing them that um, where they're living or where they're at you know we don't really know what their full on experience is but when confronted face to face with these things you know we exist in a very disconnected world even though you know we are connected i'm sure there's many of conversations that we had about that but the the person is very disconnected from the actual forefront and okay. so when you're when you're in it like if you are volunteering at a homeless shelter or a battered women's shelter you're seeing it firsthand you're you're not you know it's not hiding behind a, a computer screen or your phone you know you're face to face with another right. human being right when you have that face-to-face contact that, you know, you're shaking someone's hand, you're human to human, um, it's really hard to have that type of attitude. Okay. Yeah, it really is. Um, uh, I, I've, I've seen it happen firsthand. I've seen it happen with uh, colleagues that have were born and raised in very upper middle-class neighborhoods and then you know during their inter- internship years that they're interning in low uh, socioeconomic areas and they're a little bit skeptical and a little bit scared or a little bit frightened and then they go face to face with their clients and oh I'm like this is a human being this yes is, I'm, I'm here to help right. and uh, when when people are still thinking like that we're, we're living in isolation right you know, we can formulate our own views inside of a vacuum um, which is really easy on on both sides of the political spectrum. Well, you have to have a little thing called empathy too, right. don't you? I mean, that, that like that I love when people like people go, well, well yeah. you know, they don't have empathy until until they meet somebody. It's like, well, that's not empathy. That's <laughs> like, not, yeah. it, I mean, it, it becomes that. Yes, I get what you're saying, right. but it's like you need to be able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes without literally being in their shoe. Like you don't, you, you shouldn't have to meet a gay person or a black person or a, or a illegal, you shouldn't actually have to meet them and know them and have dinner at their house to, to understand their issue. Like that's crazy. Right. But, but I guess the difference is that a lot of them don't believe that this is true. That it's, that it's even true. I that's some, the crazy thing. That's the, that's the, that's what you'll come across right. is that it literally is not even on someone's radar because you know, we're, we're they might exist in a homogenous community. And mm-hmm. it's just been like that right. for generations. That's just what it is. And you got the hero telling him fake news. It's fake news. And, well, and, well, it's like saying to someone, you know, they're saying sky's green, and you're going, no, sky's blue, and they're they're saying no, but it's green in my neighborhood. Right. Well, e- even worse is when they refuse to even look up. <laughs> <laughs> sky's green. Hey, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, look up. You yeah. Yeah. What you're saying is really it's it's a fear of change, and that's a. Big one. I mean, we're talking right, right people people really want to maintain status quo because and this is this is a human thing, not so much a political thing. We don't want change because change embedded in our DNA has always equaled danger. Mm-hmm. You know, if if we're getting food and we're having shelter and all our needs are kind of basically being met, why would we want to change all that? Right. That's yeah. scary. And and so that that part of our DNA and our thought process is always activated when confronted with change. I, I will admit self-disclosure. I am terrible when it comes to change. I, I have to use all my t- cognitive tools to work with whatever it might be. It might be something even good. Right. And so I got to work with it. And so most people, when confronted with change, are immediately going to go, no. And right. I, I always illustrate the idea of a, the family with 
um, a, uh, a one family member with a substance abuse problem. Okay. This is a big one. A lot I shouldn't of, have scratched my nose, is yeah. it? Yeah. Well, well, I know what right. you're talking about. <laughs> a lot of the time, I'll tell you, yeah. Well, uh, uh, a lot of the time, what we we'll right. see is that. You know, oh, they'll say, we want to change. We want, you know, Bobby to get better. We want to help him. You know, he's he's going to AA and everything like that. Then New Year's comes along, and Bobby's wife says, ah, why, don't you, why don't you just have a drink? Not even thinking. Unconsciously, they want to maintain mm -hmm. the status quo, even if it's uncomfortable. Okay. And so that's really what it is. Is It's just a real fear of change. <laughs> And, and and I get that, and you're and you're, yeah. That that it, I think at the end of the day, that is what it comes down to. Because this country, um, how it was established, people don't want to admit. Mm -hmm. And and but at the same time, they'll say, "Well, it's not my fault that this country is the way it is." Right. Like, you're right. You're absolutely right. It is not your specific fault. But the fact that you don't want this change, the fact mm -hmm. that you don't welcome this, and you're not open to the idea that these other people live a different life. I always say, like, I live in a, you know where I live, and I live in a pretty decent neighborhood, you know, even though my girl doesn't like the neighbors. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother story. Um, but my area is mixed. It's all different types of cultures in there, and I love that. Yeah, right. I love the diversity. But growing up in Chicago, I didn't grow up around it. I grew up around all people that looked like me. Mm -hmm. So I get exactly what you're saying. And the first time I experienced that kind of change of being around people was when I was like, oh, wow, this is something new. Right. So my mentality now is I want the diversity. I right. want to be around mm -hmm. different people. I mm -hmm. want to be around different cultures. And this is why we tell people there's a reason why the Midwest is the way it is versus Los Angeles and New York. Right. Because you got so many different cultures on both well, coasts. Every city, though, it's weird. Like I was talking to my friend about this who's from Texas, and he said, you know that Houston is actually blue in terms of voting? Mm -hmm. Dallas is like 50-50. Um, you look at Pittsburgh and Philadelphia versus the rest of Pennsylvania. You look at all the big cities where people, yeah, where people exist and there are jobs and there are, and there's a culture and there's art and there's different people. Mm -hmm. It always goes blue to, to you mm -hmm. uh, political. And, and I think what that comes down to is that it is that once you realize, Oh, people aren't when they, they, they when they say that when the right wing people say, Oh, it's not about race. I don't think a lot of them know that it's about race. It is about fear. Mm -hmm. And it's that mm -hmm. I'm white. And listen to racist talk. When racist talk, it's always about, why can't I say white pride? Um, I want to be proud of being white. I, I want to preserve the white the white race or, or preserve my white. What do they think is going to happen? That they're going to stop it? Like, why do they identify? That's the thing they identify with mm -hmm. is the color of their skin. So they're like, what happens if, if in 200 years, everyone's, there's all kinds of DNA, which, mm -hmm. by the way, white people out there, you're already probably like 2% Jewish and 3% West African. We're, and, we're and, already and, there. Yeah, you're totally mixed. <laughs> but the point is, like, they have this weird fear that what's going to happen when I'm no longer 100% pure white? Uh, nothing's going to happen. Nothing. You're still you. It, it doesn't affect anything if you're, if your great-great-grandkids, if everyone is gray on this planet at some point, it doesn't, it's not going to affect anything at all. But that's what they're afraid of is that, oh, my God, what's going to they, they don't leave their home. How many, how many people have you met? Go talk to these small towns. I know people that have never been out of their town. Yeah. And I know tons of people that have never been to another country, that have never been to another state. Mm -hmm. And they and and they don't. And as soon as they do, they come back and go, 
wow, it's actually France is pretty cool. You what know, what's, yeah. what's crazy about that is there are those people that have never left, which I don't have a problem with the people that have never left and gone anywhere else. My problem is with the people who have never left or gone anywhere else, but they have this firm belief that everything is the way they think it is, and they've never left and saw anything else. They've never seen any other way of life. Right. And I'm like, you can't say that. Like, I can't Other people say, go, this is the greatest country in the world. I'm like, have you ever been anywhere you else? You don't know what that is. And, no and that idea. doesn't mean, and I always tell people, like, I... I've been to a lot of different places. Ian's been to a lot of different places. There is no other country off, uh, besides like the UK and Canada that I would, if I had to choose other places, I would probably go live there because they speak English. I fear change too. So, <laughs> so it's it's scary. So I mean, I, I have, I've I've traveled myself, and I would say you know I was I was uh, this is oh, ten years ago. I was down in Brazil, and I was surfing down in Brazil, and I mean when I landed and my i should have worked on you know i should have worked on more portuguese <laughs> i tried i tried i tried i tried the language barrier was really tough where my spidey sense would normally if i'm walking down the street and i can hear and understand what's being said my spidey sense isn't going off but i'm traveling by myself wait how'd you get spidey sense <laughs> yeah, exactly. they give that to white people what yeah the white people have it. <laughs> damn it it's, it's just because i'm jewish but that's bad. <laughs> Um, but you know, when I was there and I got off the plane and you know, I, you know, my ATM card's not working and I'm stranded and I'm not knowing what to do. And I got, you know, three surfboards put around my neck and just try to find where I'm staying. You know, I'm, I'm frightened. Right. And something that you were, you were stating before and, and about that fear motivation is when we're motivated by fear, this is a really interesting one. When we're motivated by fear. We only do enough to not be afraid. Uh, like, wow. Yeah, we're only going to do enough to just not be afraid anymore. I always use the movie Office Space as a good example. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, when, when Ron Livingston goes in and meets the Bobs, and they say, like, you've been missing a lot of work, Peter. And he says, no, I haven't been missing it. <laughs> and then he goes, you know, well, what, what would help you out here? And he goes, Bob, it's a question of motivation. I'm only doing enough to not get fired. Yeah. Right. And... You know, if you offered me some creative you know, outlets or, you know, something else, or you know, it's really just motivation. And when you're motivated by fear, um, once the fear goes away, and I will use this as illustration of Brazil, I, I met a friend of mine down that randomly saw my jiu-jitsu tattoo. And it turned out like this is like a wild connection that he was Anderson Silva's jiu-jitsu coach. Wow. And he goes, oh, you come to my academy and we'll train. And all of a sudden I'm rolling with this human dump truck that is Anderson <laughs> Silva. Um, wow. But yeah, that was tough. And I was like not in shape at all. <laughs> and it was embarrassing. But he started showing me around and breaking down the language and breaking down what to say. And you like, relax. Absolutely. Yeah, I can relax, relax and, and <coughs> walk around, no problem. I, I felt totally at home. Um, on a quick side note, uh, my favorite scene of that movie in, in Office Space is when they're saying, well, we're going to get rid of some people. Uh, first person is Nassim Nahina. Nahina. Well, not going to work here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I laugh at that it's point. Fu it's funny. I actually it, I, I borrowed from that movie. Um, didn't realize I was borrowed about years ago. I was working at an editing place and so I did some, I was assisting assistant editor at this place. And I remember I walked in my boss and said, how come you didn't do that? How come you didn't do this? And he was like saying something. I go complacency, Gary. And he goes, 
Oh, okay. <laughs> you want another real reason? That's why. Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Now, the last thing I was going to say about that too, just to kind of bring it back to that office space tip, was you know Peter when he <laughs> fell under hypnosis, was he started acting with the opposite of fear, which was curiosity. Uh, like I wonder what would happen if I just didn't pay bills anymore, right? And I just wow. didn't go into work. When we start acting with a little more curiosity, like this is an experiment. Let right. me just see what's going on here. There's no weight on it. I just want to see what your point of view is or what what's going on in this restaurant. When we try a new food and we, we're not afraid of it, it's like, whoa, okay, I like sushi. Or I like yeah, this. You know, right. It's, 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 it's kind of interesting when we act with the opposite of fear, which is actually just curiosity. And, and see, I love... I love the fact that you put it that way because, again, there are a lot of people out here that when they try stuff for the first time, they're honestly surprised. Like, oh, wow. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like that when it comes to certain foods and, and, and certain places and stuff. What do you think it is that is not allowing people to – like, I had somebody on, on my feed the other day say um, – he said, well, look at how, how Fox – is kicking all of these other news networks' asses. And I said, okay, so this is what I started doing with people. I said, okay, Lynn, let's, let's just bet. Let's take a bet. Let's put our money where their mouths are, right? For every lie that has been told by every other network. It's bullshit. And it's like, you're going to believe that? or And it's like, but meanwhile, you're believing one crazy thing over here that has no, no validity. And it's like, you can't even convince those people. It's crazy to me. Like, do you, how? Do you think, uh, because, again, I honestly feel like your experiences in life will help you shape how you feel about certain things. Like, mm -hmm. you're a new parent, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Is there anything that changed for you on your outlook on life? Anything that changed for you before you had a kid to now being a new dad? Oh, absolutely. What was, what was something that you looked, you thought you... You had a firm belief in one minute, and then once you had a kid, what was something? Oh, wow. That's a that's a tough one. Um, you know, one thing that I would say that really, really turned around for me was just seeing, you know, the idea of how fragile life really is. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And how, you know, I, I usually don't use too much self-disclosure, but I'll just go into it slightly. Is our, our kiddo, she had a she had a growth issue, and so she was in the NICU for mm -hmm. the first couple of days that she was after she was born, and bonding with the other parents in there, you know, that was something that I didn't think, you know, on a weird level for myself. Uh -huh. I didn't think I was gonna bond with other parents right off the bat. Um, it wasn't something that was really in my wheelhouse to begin mm -hmm. with. And, you know, immediately it became this community when we were in the NICU and it was just people from different backgrounds and it didn't matter what you, who you were, everybody was pulling for each other's kids in there. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty amazing seeing that and, you know, seeing my daughter being able to metabolize sugar. Ah, uh, um, see? And... Going, oh, okay, now she's eating. Like, we're right. feeding her. And she, when she got the IV taken out, we're like, oh, okay, like, she's going to be okay. And going through this, like, day-by-day day fragile experience thinking, like, okay, what's going to be, right. what's going on now? And then also being there uh, with these other parents and being supportive to them. Mm -hmm. And so that 
I mean, that flipped the script on everything for me seeing that. Now, yeah. here, here's something I wonder if you guys had the same experience. I mean, I'm, you know, you guys both know me. I'm, I'm like, I'm like Mr. Spock, you know, like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, everything is logic. Everything is like, you know, people always, a lot of times think I'm not emotional, which is not true, but, but, um, everything is like, well, let's run the numbers on that. Like everything. And I remember I've had this conversation with so many people afterward thinking well, before I had a kid. Yeah, I know. I know what it's like. And if you're like, no, no, but you don't know mm-hmm. until you actually have your, until your kid is born, the bond between parents, you go, yeah, yeah, I've heard about that. I, I know what you're talking about. No, 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 no. When your kid's born, there's a different thing. It's like some sort of biological thing. I go, I understand biology. I know there's that. I understand that, but you don't understand. I understand it. I've, I've read about it. I know. And then sure as shit, when your kid's born, you're like, I get it. There's this weird thing where it's like, like lion, like, you know, mm-hmm. touch my kid. I'm going to rip your head off. Like That's it right. just, there's immediate like, oh, wow. There's, there's like a crazy bond. And then there's also things that, that I thought for sure were nurture, not nature, like behavioral things mm-hmm. that my, my daughter does like day for day. The shit I did is like, I remember when I was 12, I did this thing. Things that I've completely purposely not modeled, mm-hmm. never talked about. I'm, I never am going to let her know that this, I did this wacky thing or I cried or I, whatever the thing was when this happened and she does it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm looking at myself as a kid mm-hmm. and it seems like a behavioral thing. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. seems like something you would learn. Oh, that's a learned behavior. And I'm like, that's a genetic. Yeah. Oh, she does it. She does it automatically. It's crazy. Yeah. Some, some things are, and some things it's really interesting as our behaviors become modified for us as adults. Right. They might be really similar things we did at age twelve. We can't see it. We think we've kind of right. had mastery over it. <laughs> right. That's true. Kid picks it up. And then they do it the same way we did it at 12 because they that's the only way they know how to do it. It's like a coordination thing. Right, right. You know, you're trying, you know. We, we that's the 12-year-old version of it, right, basically. We talk yes. about, like, mixed martial arts and, like, how to throw a, a proper jab. And, like, we can do it as an adult. Our kid sees it. They're kind of built like us. And so they're not going to throw it exactly the way we do it. Right. You know, I'm 38. She's not going to, you know, my daughter's not doing much these days. Yeah, no. <laughs> Seven weeks uh, old, not, not throwing too many jabs yeah, she, yet. She eats, <laughs> you know, she listens to hip-hop, and that's about it. She does throw up like you do, which is good. So that's Pisses on herself um, like you do, which I, is good. Uh, you, know, you know, I've been working on that. Um, and so we... We, uh, you know, they're going to throw it the way you did when you were that age. And so right, you kind right. of pick it up in that way where they're just trying to do it in their own little way. And de- developmentally, it's really interesting to watch, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, we learn these behaviors from whoever's really influencing us. And a lot of it is, you know, that becomes kind of, you know, for lack of better terms, and, you know, it's, it's kind of like the word of God. It becomes right. like, oh, this is the way right. the world works. What I always ask in session is a lot of the time it's like, where did you learn that from? And they're right. like, well, no, I just do it. No, 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 no. Somebody taught you that. Right. Like, let's think back. And then, you know, whose voice is that telling you that, you know, kids should be separated from their parents or whatever it may right. be? Right. You know, whose voice is that? Is that your voice? Like your voice as adult, you know, I'll use my own name, adult Rob. You know, do you want that to be your voice? Right. And see, in, in, in the... And it, that's what comes down to the, the thing I was saying earlier about certain regions and why they have certain ideologies because they live in that area. If you live in New York, I always tell people, if you live in New York and you're racist, 
you're going to have a hard life. Right. Because it's a lot of different people and that also, don't look like you. are also probably working pretty hard to be racist. Exactly. You got to want to be racist to that point. It's a huge... Same thing with Los Angeles. But if you live in this, say, Illinois, in one of those small towns, and every generation has been the same, same thought right. process, mm-hmm. same, we go to the same store, we go to the same church, we mm-hmm. act the same way, this is the way we, we grew up, all that. Those people, to me, are the ones that I find are the ones that no matter what they see in front of them, stats, data, all that, right. none of that means anything to them. Nothing. Right. So... Because what? their world is their world, and it contradicts that, their world, and and the only other input they're getting is probably like a Fox News or something, which yeah. is which is reinforcing their fears in their world. Same, and you know what? And this is on, on a lesser scale. Uh, like I was actually, I was just in New York with my brother, and mm-hmm. he had never been. He had never gone to New York or anything. So we were hanging out, and um, so this is what I mean by like the mentality of people who never had to change certain things. So we ordered uh, breakfast and he ordered a steak, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, I've been living in Los Angeles for a long time. I've been eating a lot of different steaks. I had to get used, my girl had taught me this, of eating steaks that were still pink mm-hmm. inside, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. growing up, if that shit ain't all the way cooked, I'm not eating it. I don't, right. I don't right. No, I need to see all the parasites gone. <laughs> right. So... Right. My brother, who is younger than me, but he's still, you know, older. I'm not going to tell you my age. But um, he asked about his steak. He says, I want it well done. And the guy kind of looked at him like, really? He's like, yeah, make sure all of that. And I kind of thought, dude, you don't even know, really. If you leave it a little pink, it's going to taste better. But in his mind, how he grew up, if it ain't this, it ain't right. 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 So I feel like. On one end, this is what I mean by like, I, on some ends, I understand why people have that mentality. My issue with people is that you don't want to change that, that fear mm-hmm. you were talking about. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get over that fear. This mm-hmm. is what the whole mm-hmm. thing with the healthcare issue when people were like, well, why should everybody have healthcare? Do you understand how fucked up of a question that is? Why should right. everybody have health care? But well, I we think, need Space Force first. Yes, so. <laughs> but I feel like part of it is it comes down to this thing of people aren't used to seeing this. Like if you're standing right. in line somewhere right. and the person that doesn't look like you is getting the same health care as you, right. then you feel like, well, wait a minute. What, what, why? Why, why? Why can't I go here and, and be around these people that look mm-hmm. like me? What how, do you that think? That is the height of privilege, by the way, where it's of like, course. wait, so me, white guy, I get the same... I have to I have to stand in the same health healthcare line as uh, this this guy who I assume is illegal or whatever but, like but like that it's, is honestly they're in their minds like they really feel like this. So what I want to know is like because everybody is not going to have the same experience like your right. experience with your kid and, and saying okay well wait now I gotta I'm gonna meet these other parents and these other parents are gonna help me kind of get through this thing. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend to the people out there who are say in their 40s, the late 30s, 40s, mm-hmm. who have still had this mental block of let me get past looking at just myself mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. culture and look at other cultures and their issues? Because the the empathy, the lack of empathy, is mm-hmm. what is mm-hmm. killing yeah. a lot of stuff that's happening now. So, what do you think it will take? How do you fix that? Wow. If I knew. I know that's a lot for you. Sorry. Sorry. If I knew, I would probably be, you know, I'd have a beautiful Nobel Prize somewhere right on the beach, like right North County, San Diego, like right overlooking Beacon. Hilarious. If I could figure that out. Um, no, but all kidding aside, um, a lot of it really has to do with motivation. 
for change. Like if we actually want to change, like I part of I just took my clinical exam and I passed it. Yes. Um, and one of one of the things when someone comes into your office, uh, you have to ask them. You know, you gauge their motivation for change, and that's actually a barrier to treatment. Like uh-huh. if they're not motivated, like it's somebody that's involuntary, like, oh, I'm just coming here because like my pro officer says I have to. Right. Um, and you're like, okay, like I know that we have to examine these barriers to change and this resistance. Um, you know, a lot of it is like, what's their resistance okay. and are they motivated? Do they actually want to see a different perspective? Can Is it in their wheelhouse to to take that leap and be a little curious, right? Like just to check right. it out. No, wait. I'm not saying you have to change your mind, and I'm not saying you have to you have to change your entire ideology and things. Just just take a look at some stuff. That's it. Right. Yeah, get out there, meet some people, taste some food, go go on a trip somewhere, experience it. Which is weird take, to me. Give by, yourself a break. <laughs> which is weird to me, by the way. Like they love the cultures. In other ways, they love the food. Oh, yeah, they, they love right. the clothes. They just don't like the people. But, I, I used but to, it's I used really interesting because that's. It, I mean, funny enough, like the food is the gateway drug, and then it's like, well, now let's have a conversation. Like, yeah. let's go in there and have a conversation with the person that you know owns that restaurant. Yeah, right. You know that makes that food that you're appreciating that part of the culture. Mm-hmm. So now let's get to know other parts. Like you're opening the door. It's wiggle room. I always say that that that's where we can work with your thoughts. Yeah. When I see when I see a, a therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy is kind of like gentle litigation for yourself. It's like taking all those beliefs that you thought were facts and really understanding that all they are is opinion. Your thoughts right. are just opinion. Yeah. So, and so when we can spot the wiggle room there, we it's not that we're exploiting it it's that we go we go curious yeah we go okay so (laughs) can you disprove that really negative thought you have there can you do that right and they'll go uh yeah i could yeah what's another way we can look at that and we start to work with someone's cognitive flexibility right their ability to see alternatives cognitive cognitive flexibility yeah so the flexibility with their thoughts to see alternatives and go Okay, I'm going to try that. Like, let's let's talk, and that gives you know on both sides. Right. I, I say you know only because I I work with people from all different sides of the political spectrum, and it's allowing them to just get a little bit of wiggle room. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny because it's every racist I know, and I know quite a few. They always <laughs> have like a black friend or a Mexican friend or a Chinese friend or something, and when you ask them about it. They'll be like, oh, he's all right. He's one of the good ones. Yeah. He's go- it's funny. And it's like, then they meet two of the good ones. Then it may- maybe eventually they meet three of the good ones. And eventually they start losing, shedding that. It's funny because years ago, so I have a friend, he's, he's, um, he's Persian. He's like first generation. He came here when he was like six, so I guess. Uh, really, bro? Know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he, years ago, years ago, he used to want to just go. Um, on the road to travel with me. He's not a comic, but he would mm-hmm. he'd go, hey, can I go with you on these road gigs? Yeah. You know, I'd take him on one-nighters. Or I'd take him up, like, he, we'd go, my dad lived in, in Southern Oregon. Um, and parts of Southern Oregon are super hippie, liberal Ashland. But then two minutes from that is Medford, which is super redneck, hunting and fishing. Mm-hmm. And I remember we went there, and this is everywhere in, you go, in small town America. You know, we're, we're this, I was living in Santa Cruz. He's from San Jose. We're from the Bay Area. We go to this, to Medford, and... He thought it was the funniest thing in the world that every Chinese restaurant 
every Chinese restaurant said Chinese and American food. Mm-hmm. Every Mexican mm-hmm. restaurant said Mexican and American food. And he was like, and he laughed. He goes, why do they keep putting and American food? It's a Chinese restaurant. Who the hell cares? And I'm like, in this town, they care. They probably would not go to a Chinese restaurant unless, what if I, do they have anything American? Can, yeah. can I get a burger there if I need to? And it's like, that's their gateway to eventually trying, trying. Chinese food. And you're yeah. just like, they're like Chinese food. It's like, it's on, in San Francisco, you, you, you can't, you can't turn around yeah. without seeing Chinese, well, but to us it was like not an issue. But in small town America, you had to add and American food on it to get people to go to it. Well, no, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to chime in and just say that it's part of the holy trinity of New York foods where it's pizza, bagels, and Chinese food. Yeah. It's, like, it's also probably, you know, totally an issue for my GI tract. But <laughs> right, exactly. I, I absolutely, that's, that's what it's all about. But yeah, it's, it, it's, it's crazy to me, though, that that's like, he thought that was coming, you know, a guy who's from another country who lived in, you know, Northern California for his, for most of his life. He thought that was the funniest thing. And, and I had been up there a few times and I said, Oh, well I I get it because there's so many of these like small town redneck Mm -hmm. kind of people who probably wouldn't eat at a straight Chinese restaurant. And they might even go there and because their wife or their husband or their kids or whatever likes the chow mein, but they go there and get a grilled cheese sandwich. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's 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 crazy to me. It's like it's fucking Chinese it's, food. It's not <laughs> you're it, not eating snails or something that seems weird. Like, but it comes back to what you said about that fear and not wanting the fear of change and all this stuff. And this is why I honestly feel like because there are sometimes where I, like I'll post stuff and and people will write and they're like, well, you just don't like this. Like, no, 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 no. no. The reason why I'm as angry as I am about certain things is because I like other cultures. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. other cultures. So to me, I look at other cultures like, yo, let's hang out. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't I can't even wire my brain to not like somebody simply because they look different. So I'm always talking about this stuff because I'm like, yo, you guys really should think this through. Because if I would have gone by the ideology that I grew up with in Chicago, I wouldn't have any white friends. Right. I wouldn't have mm-hmm. any at all because I was told, hey, man, there's no reason to hang out with them. There's no reason to go do this. Why go there? If you Like, I used to always love to go downtown Chicago. It's still one of my favorite places to be. And But I grew up on the south side. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, I'd be like, hey, man, it's a Sunday. Uh, they used to have this thing called a super transfer. So, like, you get this this bus. It's a bus transfer. So you can ride the bus all day for uh, for on this one ticket. So I would go downtown to Chicago, and I would try to get my friends who lived two, three doors down from me, like, yo, let's go downtown and hang out. And they'd be like, why? I'm like, what, what, what do you mean why? It's mm-hmm. the city. Let's go right, hang out in the right, city. Let's right. go see what they're doing down there. He's like, I don't need to hang out with them. And I'm like, them? It's the fucking city. Right, exactly. So I feel like. If, if, if we had more people to, and this is part of the reason why like, I wanted to ask you, what do you think the solution is? Mm-hmm. Because the way you laid it out is the most perfect way to do it. It may start with a meal. It mm-hmm. may start with sitting down mm-hmm. and saying, you know what? Yeah, let's try this meal. And while we're sitting here eating, let's talk about this. Right. I honestly feel like if you could tell people that and get them to actually do it, more people would understand 
that our differences are not that much different. Like we all, like Ian and I perform, we, we do shows, and we we have so many different people in the audience that look different, but they're watching the show. Mm -hmm. Well, right. you watch a TV show, and you have, what was your favorite TV show? You had of all time? Of all time. Oh, boy. This is going to be a funny one. Three's Company. Okay. No, that's perfect. That's actually, you know why? Because that's one of my favorites. Like, I yeah. love Three's Company, yeah. even though there's a debate whether who's better, Ralph Furley or Mr. Roper. Roper. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now get out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I do like I do like you know what I always I use? use Roper as a as a as a tool when I'm in the room and I always because I have a lot of younger clients and I always have to I always have to use that uh, as like a cognitive technique when I'm like you go Mr. Roper and they're like who and I'm like Deadpool you break the fourth wall. Like you have to, bring, yes. you know, okay, I have to update it. Every single time Norman Fell would look, get, jab the his smirk. wife and look at the, th the <laughs> it kills me every <laughs> single time. But the fact that that show did not have any black characters on it, but it is still in one of my favorite shows ever. Right. Do you understand? This is what I mean by mm. like we have these moments where we can get along with each other and understand that we're just enjoying the same thing. Right. Right. And you 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 couldn't do a super homophobic character like Nor oh, like like Mr. Roper now. now. No. No. no not, <laughs> the, uh, not now. Remember he would do a little no, Tinkerbell thing. You like could not like, do that. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah. Actually, Horian Gracie was on Three's Company. Oh no way. He played Jack's cousin. What? What the yeah. hell? Yeah, that's like an old weird jujitsu. Oh, I have to. Thing. I have to watch that. Oh, I, I might be a, 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 a you know an old tale, oh, but, you know a tall tale. But I, I distinctly remember that being like a weird guest star. Thing. I gotta find that episode. Yeah. So so really quick. So I want I want to throw this out there. I we, we I didn't give you this in advance. So if you don't have it, no worries. Okay. Um. So we call. So we've been calling this. Pop, we're trying to get into a little thing. We call this critical and thing, which is obvious. Critical and thinking, which is also which is obviously a. a Play on critical thinking, but it's also a play on the fact that we are both super critical, mm -hmm. but we like to keep our keep keep thinking. Make we're old school. We think. think about shit. Yeah. So, but I also like to. We also like to to ask people something quickly. You know, something that that you are critical of mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. right now. Something that's, that's just in your craw, so to speak, and then also something that makes you that maybe makes you think that maybe made you. You're changing your mind, or you're, or you're not sure about, which, which happens a lot. You know, like, um, hmm. You know, like for me recently, when, when, when Trump all of a sudden said, "Hey, I'm well now we pushed pressured him enough. We'll see if it's all BS." But okay, I'll, I'll sign that. I'll sign the mm -hmm. a bill to reunite these or not separate kids anymore, or whatever the deal is. I go, okay, huh? Maybe if we do push hard enough, this guy will actually listen. I don't know that. But it's making me think, hmm, well, maybe there's a little tiny glimmer of hope that if we if we show this guy, hey, this is what we, you know. So you have anything, that, any, anything glaring that's that's either or both, something that you're super critical of right mm -hmm. now that you just mm -hmm. want people to pay attention and go do some research on, right. or something that's that your mind is changing on currently? Okay, so I'll give you both really quick. The, okay. the changing or your mind are really, really critical of is the – we were talking about earlier, which is the access to healthcare. Right. Um, I mean, it's just super, super preventative medicine. Um, you know, really early on interventions, you're going right. to see a lot um, people having a lot easier lives. And you know, when when not that I'm the the most foremost expert on it, but you know, when you're heading a problem off and you're taking like a prehab type <laughs> of type of mentality on things, you're going to have less problems right. later on. I mean, it really is. I mean, 
um, you know, whether it's mental health or physical health, I do a lot of mind body stuff. So, you know, I, I do walk and talk and things like that right. for people who want it. And you see the benefit and some people say, oh, I wish I did this earlier. And it's like, I wish you had access to it earlier. Right. Um, and I would say the thing that my mind has completely changed on it, you know, I will say it definitely is having a kid. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's, that's flipped a lot of different things up in the air. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, we're, we're headed on a little like short little vacation and um, enjoy, you know, those, a, enjoy those while you can. Right, bro. right. She's she can be mellow at times. And what I will say, just to to give you the info on this, is that you know at first it was this idea that a kid would complicate everything, and then right. realizing that no, it well, it's your kid, and they're <laughs> integrated into your guy's life, right? Yeah. And you guys have this cool life that you get to show this little girl and mm -hmm. yeah. have her involved with, and yep. that totally changed and i'll tell you something what policy we have we try in my house we try to go somewhere we can't always afford it but we try to go somewhere every year even if it's even if it's in america like you know the grand canyon or whatever but but we try to get out of the country as much as possible and people used to say you're taking your when bella was two they go mm -hmm. you're taking your two-year-old to ireland i'm like yeah They're like oh it's got to suck traveling with two-year-old there were some some complications but it was she, you know, it, first off, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that big of a deal, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but also, she's been going somewhere. She went to, to Bali. She went to Hong Kong. She went to Ireland. She went to England. Where um, next year when she graduates eighth grade now, she's we're going to Paris and um, and to Barcelona. And th that, that, I think, first off, changes, their, like we're talking about, getting out and seeing other people mm -hmm. and, and the, uh, mm -hmm. other, other cultures makes kids so, being worldly at a young age is is undeniably huge for them, but it's really not that difficult to travel. When my daughter was, we went back to Ireland the second time when she was six, we went with no hotels. Mm -hmm. We flew there, we landed, we got a rental car, and we drove around and stopped and got a hotel. We found it, and people were like freaking out about, you're going to go with a six-year-old to a foreign country with no hotel and just, just wing it? Yep. And they're like, and it was great. But you know what? And I'm glad you, uh, it's funny you said, I got a friend of mine who, when we first met, like her daughter is now mid twenties, gotta be, but her kid was super young when mm -hmm. first met, like eight, seven, eight years old, something like that. And she would put her kid on a plane and send her kid for the summer over to Italy <laughs> with her husband, well, her ex. You know, right. they would mm -hmm. share custody, and it tripped me out. I was like, wait a minute, let me get this straight. So you fly, I said, so you fly over with her. She's like, no, no, no. I go to the airport, put her on the plane, and then he gets her. When mm -hmm. she lands, I was like, wait a minute. So you put your kid on a plane <laughs> right. to a whole other country. <laughs> right. And I could not even fathom that. But here's the thing. That kid, when they got older, spoke so many different <laughs> languages. <laughs> right. Well-traveled and all that. Now, to flip it onto where, like with my kids, my kids, now they get it. They understand it a little mm -hmm. bit more. But my kids, <laughs> I put them, their mom put them on a plane in Seattle. Right. I picked yeah. them up in Los Angeles. And they were freaking out. <laughs> do you My daughter wouldn't do that still. <laughs> they but. were freaking out. And I was like, what? They're like, no, 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 just don't ever do it again. I was like, but baby, your mom dropped you off. I picked you up mm -hmm. at the gate, mm -hmm. not right. do baggage claim. But now they understand it more. Now they want to travel yeah. more. Yeah. And so they I. Dip, they dip their toes in the water. Yes. And, and, it, yeah. and they, and that we, we call it a mastery experience. They, they did it. They saw that it was okay. They didn't die. 
and they want to do it again because they had this successful experience. I love it. Um, okay, so look, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do what we what we starting to do now. We want to wrap every show up with uh, a point to why we were talking shit for like an hour. <laughs> um, so first of all, thank you. Yeah, for, thanks for, for being Rob for here. coming thank on. You for sure. inviting me. Yeah, thank it was great. So um, yeah. And and so if you had to give somebody, if you had to give somebody the best advice for making the world better for your kid, what would it be if you had to tell them right now? Oh wow, I would say be curious. Open yourself up to new experience. It's, you know, as I said before, it's not, um, you're not going to die. It's just <laughs> something new. And treat it like an experiment. You know, okay. there's no weight yeah. on it. Nice. Yeah. Great. And uh, and so I want to say this, just so you guys understand something. And, and I meant it when I said it earlier. The reason why I speak out about certain issues, the reason why Ian speaks out about certain issues is because we care about people other than ourselves. We care about other cultures because Ian could stay where he is and we we couldn't we don't ever have to talk. Same thing with me. But we've been friends for a long time. We've been touring for a long time and we have some of the same friends, but we have different backgrounds. I honestly feel like if you open up your mind, if you open up your hearts to understanding that other people may have similar issues as you and they may have same similar likes as you, that's when the world will get better. This being closed off, as America has demonstrated, has never worked. No. It's never worked being isolated and closing yourself off to other people and other cultures. So if I could say something to you for you to move forward is learn how to love each other, learn how to have empathy for other people other than yourself, because that's how you move stuff forward. That's how you get a better life. Yes. And on that note, there's a, a I don't know the exact saying that people do. It's, it's a little hippy dippy saying, but it makes perfect sense. People always say, you know, like, you gotta be kind to other people or, or think about other people because you don't know what that person is going going through in their lives. Oh, yeah. You don't know if that person just got fired from their job and they're an asshole to you and they cut you off. You don't know if that person just lost their family. You, you don't know anything about that person. You have no idea what's going on with that person's life. That's right. So even if something's horribly going wrong, wrong in your life, that could be going on in somebody else's life as well. So you have to treat everybody with the idea that, hey, you don't know what's going on there. Mm -hmm. So ask or treat them like, hey, maybe some, maybe maybe they have issues that I don't know about because I guarantee they have issues that you don't know about that are affecting the way they talk to you, treat you, and deal with, and, and, and we all have to do that because, you know, we look at some of the people that, people that I dislike or would seemingly dislike, and sometimes I have to remind myself, hey, this person might have, might, might have had a horrible childhood, may have a horrible right. life right now. Mm -hmm. they may, we don't, I don't know. I have to remember that might they have, have been something separated going. from their parents at the border. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, <laughs> we're out. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Nice. Cool. Thank, Thank you. you.